Welcome back to Bleacher Brawls, the home of the greatest rivalry in professional sports. We have a great episode coming at you in a few, but first we have to tell you about all of the places you can find us. BleacherBrawls.com is the home for our Yankees and Red Sox columns, football, basketball, soccer content, as well as movie reviews, quizzes, and plenty of trash talk. Our YouTube channel has a few videos a week with picks, predictions, our prospect pipeline series, and more. Our main social media hub is Twitter, at Bleacher Brawl, where you can give us any feedback, ask us any questions, follow us to be the first to hear about our latest content. This podcast is available on your listening app of choice, and when you finish listening to today's super exciting episode, you'll want to drop us a five-star review. Let's get on with the show. Welcome back to Bleacher Brawls, the home of the greatest rivalry in professional sports between the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. That's what we are talking about tonight in our 2023, excuse me, pendulum preseason show. We have the entire Bleacher Brawls crew here tonight. My name is Patrick. I'm here with everybody you're going to hear on the podcast this season. You'll get introduced to them along the way. We are going to check in on the state of the rivalry as we tend to do, but this is us setting what we call the pendulum before the beginning of the 2023 season. Let me explain. At the end of last season, we decided that if you think of the pendulum and if you're watching on YouTube, Derek's gonna send it to you now. You look at the pendulum as if it's the bottom half of a clock, right? Three o'clock all the way to the Red Sox, nine o'clock all the way in the Yankees favor. We're kind of deciding which way is it swinging and which franchises favor. Right now we have it at about seven o'clock, which is one tick towards the Yankees. Now, that might seem a little weird because, you know, the Yankees won 99 games last year while the Red Sox finished at 78 games, first place and last in the division, respectively. But we're taking a lot into account. Okay, we're taking in uh, anticipation for the future. We're going to talk about farm systems later. We're talking about recent playoff success. Right. We're taking a bunch of things into account. One season isn't going to totally change things around. It's not going to swing it all the way. Right. We kind of move it one or two, probably just one take at a time. Right. So we have it in the Yankees favor right now. And we're going to check in. We're going to talk everything. We're going to talk offseason moves, managers, offense, defense, farm systems, everything. All right. I'm going to kick it to Luke first. Luke's going to talk a little bit about both teams, offseason additions. Obviously, the main anchor of both of those teams is keeping uh, their star players, but obviously some uh, moves on both sides as well. Luke, go for it. Let's start with the Yankees front office and see how they put their team together. Who did they lose? Not much. They lost Araldis Chapman, who Chapman, who was really basically an albatross on the team for the last few years. And they lost Andrew Benintendi, who's the closest thing to an actual leadoff hitter that they had that they've had in a long time. Um, the Yankees, they always spend big, but look. As we all know, Hal Steinbrenner is far from the crazy gunslinger that George was. Uh, Cashman has great resources to work with, but not enough to cover any old mistakes that he makes. And fans demand that he acquire expensive stars to fill out the roster. Uh, but he doesn't have a free pass to just make it rain in the Bronx. If someone doesn't work out, just spend as much more money as he wants on someone else to take up the slack. They made the essential move that they had to make. They re-signed Aaron Judge. Nine years, $360 million 
deal for their 30 year old franchise player, their leader. Um, he had a legendary contract here that forced Cashman to pay up $40 million a year. Uh, so they locked up their best player. So they made the essential move in re-signing Judge. They made a seismic move too by signing as a free agent, the starting pitcher, Carlos Rodon. He was the biggest name starting pitcher left on the market at that time that I recall. Six years, $162 million for a second ace to pitch behind Cole, giving them a dominant one-two uh, combination for the playoffs. And Radon's a guy who could, so now they have two guys in the rotation who can win 20 games if they can stay healthy. Big if for Carlos Radon, but a seismic move. Another, a significant move, re-signing the first baseman, Anthony Rizzo, two years, uh, $40 million, I think, deal for a 33-year-old slugger and defensive whiz. And I believe the only guy on the Yankees roster with uh, a World Series ring. Um, they made a questionable move uh, signing uh, free agent relief pitcher Tommy Canley for his third tour of duty in the Bronx, two years, $11 million. Uh, he's a great talent, but he had Tommy John surgery in 2020. He came back, I think he appeared in 13 games last year for the Dodgers. Um, so who knows how long he can make it through the season. They made a brain trust move, adding Omar Minaya and Brian Sabian, two former GMs with uh, big time scouting backgrounds that should help them in selecting players. Unaddressed areas, they got a couple big ones. They never got anybody to play the field. They didn't sign a closer. Those are spots that they're gonna sign with the guys they already have in-house. So malign players like Josh Donaldson, Akif and uh, Aaron Hex are, Hicks are going to have to play important roles uh, on the team. We move to the Red Sox side. Their big losses, Nathan Avaldi, Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, leadership guys, um, big, um, you know, big time players at times in their careers here, especially Bogarts. Um, after two decades of being a free spending powerhouse, uh, the Heim Bloom regime, uh, regime is intent on developing uh, a core of mostly cost-controlled players uh, before shelling before they start shelling out cash left and right for big-time players. And 50% or more of the fan base really can't stand it. And Heimblum is really not in the good graces of a whole lot of Red Sox fans um, because there's attrition involved with that process of building up uh, from within. Like, like, and we'll talk about attrition, talk about 2020, a punt year where they sucked, traded away Mookie Betts, didn't, repl uh, didn't replace that loss with anything. 2022, a really flawed team, rife with injury risks uh, that all bit them in the ass. Um, really, they all, just about all those injury risks did get hurt for a long period of time. Financial flexibility does not sell tickets, um, but Bloom remains focused on building the a long-term winner in the mold of the Astros and the Dodgers. He made his essential move, re-signing Raphael Devers, 11 years, $331 million to be the offensive centerpiece uh, for the next generation of these new players. He's only 26 years old. That shows the fans that Heim Bloom and the Red Sox are serious about locking in, about paying up for big-time players. Um, a significant move, signing uh, free agent closer Kenley Jansen, two years, $32 million, uh, gives the Red Sox their first truly successful closer since Craig Kimbrell. He's 35 years old. He's not lights out anymore, uh, but he has a long track record of success and success deep into the playoffs as well. Uh, so he's the, and he'll be the anchor for a retooled bullpen that sucked last year and that they really needed to get better. Uh, a questionable move signing uh, the free agent Japanese player Masataki Yoshida to be the left fielder. Um, 
he's supposed to be a high average, high on base percentage guy. Um, and he's looking like a much, it was a move that really got a lot of flack from other executives when it first happened. People in the league saying they overpaid for him. After the WBC, not many people think that. Now it's looking like they got might have gotten a steal because he dominated in the WBC on a worldwide stage. Um, so uh, what else? Sup and then they made a bunch of what I call supplemental moves. Adam Duvall, one year, $7 million. Power right-handed bat that can play good defense in the outfield. Justin Turner, two years, $21.7 million. Contact right-handed bat that can DH and fill in a little bit at third base and first base. Chris Martin, Joely Rodriguez, Richard Blyer, guys that can fortify the bullpen, not big needle movers. Alberto Mondesi, low risk, uh, mid-level, I would call it reward uh, with great speed. That's, that's a good natural hitting talent, but can't really stay healthy. And the the big one, I'm still calling it a supplemental move, but the biggest supplemental move, Corey Kluber, one-year, $10 million deal for a guy who just pitched his full, first full season since 2018 last year, and he went 10-10 and 10 with a 4.34 ERA. So nothing that to really get excited about, but people, for some reason, seem to be expecting big things from him. Um, unaddressed areas, shortstop. They have someone to play shortstop, but they never really got somebody to fill that Xander Bogart's role. They just took their center fielder and moved him to shortstop uh, because the guy they were going to move to shortstop from second base got hurt. Uh, and they didn't add a frontline starting pitcher as a lot of Red Sox fans did. Um, and they never really got an established potent slugger to back up Rafael Devers in the lineup. So as far as the front office goes, two very different offs, ki kinds of off seasons for two very different looking teams. With that in mind, I want to hear from both sides of the rivalry here. Uh, quick 30 to 60 seconds on both. Uh, Kassler, I'm going to go to you first for the Yankees. I know that uh, you're a big fan of Sabian. Uh, obviously, big pedigree there. Um, looking to kind of take things all the way in the Bronx. I want to hear your thoughts on the offseason. Yeah, I, lo I love the hires of uh, Brian Sabian, Omar Minaya. Uh, it's old school. They're not playing analytics. They go by the eye test. I love it. I think Sabian's a proven winner. He showed it with San Francisco. Manaya, he tried with the Mets. He did a good job. But uh, uh, Sabian's the guy for me. I mean, I'm, I was so happy when they brought him in. And he's the guy that's going to be, you know, telling Cashman, okay, this is what I believe who should make the team. This is the guy I think is the real deal. I'm just based on it. It doesn't have to go by analytics. So I'm a big, I'm a big fan of this. I love it. They're bringing the old school mentality back. So some that I've been dying for, for the, like the last five, six years. Uh, Derek, I'll go to you. Similar amount of time, 30 to 60 seconds. Uh, Luke is reporting from Bluminati HQ. I'm surprised that he called it that, knowing that you are in another place. Um, so I would like to hear uh, your thoughts on the offseason. He's in the I actually, annex. I actually, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really want to say this from a red side. I actually want to kind of say this from a neutral perspective, because this is what really caught me out in this offseason, right? Whereas I feel like there's two total different approaches to the offseason, not necessarily in, like how just the and the players they signed and the, the Yankees kind of went after some star players. Obviously, he and Judge also getting Rodon. Whereas the Red Sox kind of kept it very low scale, especially after losing Xander Bogarts. But I feel like the Red Sox did a full 180. They said, they looked at last year's team and went, uh-oh, this doesn't work. A lot of non-competitive at-bats, a lot of strikeouts. And when you have your, your lineup and half your lineups, J.D. Martinez, who after the first month of the year was abysmal, you know, you start looking at Jackie Bradley Jr., Bobby Dahlbeck, Franchi Cordero, uh, like 
it just not it does that doesn't work. Too many strikeouts, too many non-competitive at bats. Bring in a lot of guys who have competitive at bats. You look at that lineup with the exception of Adam Duvall. It's a lot of competitive at bats in that lineup. And there's a lot of guys who don't strike out a lot besides Adam Duvall, obviously. Um, I think the guy who probably have the second highest K rate next year will be Tristan Casas. Look at the Yankee side of things. The Yankees, this is the thing. I I've talked with John about this before, on air and off air. The Yankees, I'm I'm unsure on their offseason because Yes, they brought in a guy like Rodon and added some pitching, but I always felt their big problem was their lineup last year, especially in the postseason. And I know Anthony Volpe getting coming into the big leagues is going to kind of bring in another face and potentially Peraza as well. But I don't know if that's enough to really overhaul a lineup that, let's be honest, just wasn't good, especially against the Astros in the ALCS. Right. So I've all, I've said this is like, I don't know if the Yankees have recognized their problem in a sense of where, yes, they're having a lot of starting pitcher injuries. You can't predict that. And having a decent amount of starters is helpful for them. But what is their lineup looking like? Because it's essentially the same thing that that just didn't work last year. For sure. We're going to talk offense a little bit later. So thank you, Derek. Uh, John, I want to go to you next. Um, lots of really interesting conversations this offseason about the leadership of both teams. Obviously, both field managers coming back, but Aaron Judge being signed to this massive deal, officially being named the captain. A lot of interesting questions about who is the leader in the Red Sox clubhouse as Xander Bogarts uh, departs. So I want to hear uh, you give us the rundown on uh, leadership in terms of both managers and players. Well, it, to start off, I mean, to call Aaron Boone a manager might be a discredit to managers of the past. Look, I like Aaron Boone as a person, but to consider him a manager in the way we consider a guy like Joe Girardi, Buck Showalter, Billy Martin, it's not the same. Aaron Boone doesn't have a ton of in-game decisions that he's really making. I mean, there's questions if he even really makes a lineup or if it's spit out by a computer and given to him. Um, you know, Aaron, so Aaron Boone's job is to answer post-game questions, to defend his players to the media, and really just to go out and argue balls and strikes and get kicked out of the game. Like That's what Aaron Boone is expected to do for the Yankees. From that perspective, I think he does it pretty well. I mean, considering that's what's expected of him. If he is the guy making the lineup, then yeah, I'd love to talk to him because I think you're making some mistakes there. Uh, on the other side, you have a guy like Alex Cora, who seems to be pretty polarizing amongst Red Sox fans. Uh, I encourage anybody to go to our website. A, about a year ago, Luke wrote a article about a really good article about why Alex Cora is the best Red Sox manager of all time. Really good article that I completely disagree with. And then we have our behind the scenes guy, Senor Avaro, who does a lot of the graphics work for us. He thinks Alex Cora should be fired. So. Where is it? Is he the greatest manager, Red Sox manager of all time? Should he be fired? I guess it kind of falls in the middle. Uh, the thing that really hurts Cora overall when we're judging this is he was in Houston. Moogie um, Betts has made some recent comments. That there might have been some things going on in 2018. So I think Alex Cora has a lot to prove. Uh, I think he can do it. I do think what he's shown me, Alex Cora does seem to be a good motivator. He does seem to be a good in-game manager. But I don't think we really know what Alex Cora is yet. And I think with all eyes on him now, this might be the year where I think it's kind of finally settled what Alex Cora is as a manager. As far as team leadership, look, um, the Yankees have Aaron Judge as their captain. It, uh, Anthony Rizzo is his consigliere. Uh, however, I do think 
Aaron Judge has obviously he has tremendous respect within that clubhouse. Uh, however, Aaron Judge has never had a good postseason. Uh, that's something a hurdle he needs to overcome to really become that team leader. Like you have to be able to play your best when they, the team needs you. I think Aaron Judge hasn't done that yet. I think this year could potentially be his year where he comes in with a chip on his shoulder. He knows he has something to prove and he can do that. Uh, but it hasn't happened yet. Uh, you know, there doesn't seem to be a guy in the Yankees that could be the real fiery leader. With the Yankees you in the past during the dynasty years, you had Derek Jeter who led by example, which is kind of what Aaron Judge does. And you had Jorge Posada, the fiery guy that was going to get that team fired up. The Yankees don't really have that fiery guy with respect in the clubhouse. Maybe Josh Donaldson's a fiery guy, and the reason they brought him in clearly doesn't have respect in the clubhouse. I think the Yankees are missing that fiery guy. As far as the Red Sox team leadership, Raphael Devers, I think, a great player, but he the he's perceived his perception is that he's a bit aloof. I don't know if he's the team leader in that clubhouse. We've had a lot of debate on previous episodes. I suggest going back and watching them between me and Luke over whether or not Kike Hernandez is a team leader. I think Kike Hernandez can be a leader, but I don't think he can be the guy. I think your best players need to be the leaders, and that's something Kike Hernandez isn't. So overall, I think when it comes to team leadership, I think the pendulum's down the middle. Both sides have a lot to prove. The managers have a lot to prove. The team leaders have a lot to prove. And as far as this is concerned, with team leadership, my vote down the down the middle. Taylor, welcome to the show. Uh, John said something really interesting just now, which is your best players need to be your leaders. And I know you have some thoughts uh, on Kike Hernandez on the Red Sox side when it comes to that. So go for it. Yeah, listen, I, I, don't, I personally disagree. I don't think that your best player has to be the best leader. I think really strong leadership is a skill that only a few people have. And if you're lucky to have it, you should share it. And I think that we don't know if, if Kike is going to have it, but I think we should really give him a shot because um, I, I think in, in general, this team looking forward to this year is, is we're going to have to give a lot of people a shot and I'm excited for him. He told Haim he was not going to come on a losing team. And I think we all have differing opinions on whether Haim has actually, uh, you know, gone with that and held his end of the bargain. But I think Kike was serious about it. He was a major player in recruiting Turner. He has been working really, really hard on the off season. He's been very vocal about his high expectations as a team and as a leader. And um, I think if he, if he has what it takes, let's keep an open mind and let's run with it. Great. Thanks. Uh, Barnes. I want to hear uh, the Yankees side of things. Here we go. Let's start from the top, right? Let's, let's go to the front office, Brian Cashman, every, anytime that the Yankees have a shot at the playoffs, he goes all in, he gets the pieces that they think they need at the time. Great. Boom. Great leadership from the front office, Aaron Boone, right? John, you just you literally just said you're like ah oh, his job is to go out there argue balls and strikes that's what he does my guys are blank savages in the box all right get it done number three player leadership Aaron Judge new captain all right he doesn't play in the World Baseball Classic because he says his priority is in New York that's what you want to hear from your new te- newly named team captain right yeah I get it he's got a lot to prove in the playoffs that we still have yet to see that, you know, but he does take accountability in that one fly ball in the ALCS when Harrison Bader drops that ball and everyone's giving Bader crap. Aaron judge goes, I was going for the ball. He called me off, but I call, I came out too late. All right. And that messed him up. He takes accountability, right? 
what more can you ask from an actual team leader who is also the best guy, even though Luke disagrees, in the American League? Uh, I don't know about that, but we'll move on. Uh, Barnes, we're actually going to you next. Uh, we want to talk about, uh, excuse me, the starting rotations. Um, some, I don't want to say big moves this offseason. Obviously, Rodani won't be with the Yankees to start the year, uh, but the Red Sox moved some things around as well. Um, what are you looking at when it comes to both starting rotations uh, this season? So I was listening back to the last time we were visiting the pendulum, and as stated on the last episode of the pendulum, the in quotations, it's way over towards the Yankee side, which to be honest with you, I still kind of agree with. All right. I, I, in, in that recording, Luke said, yeah, I pretty much agree too. So, and Luke is always right. So what did the Red Sox lose? They lost their best pitcher from 2022, Michael Waka. They lost Evaldi and they lost Rich Hill, even though he's a bum. Uh, what do they get? They got Corey Kluber, who, oh, Luke, you just said nothing to be excited about. Uh, what did the Yankees lose? Uh, they lost John's favorite player, Tyone, the Tyone lover. Um, and who did they get? Oh, oh, there's this guy, uh, Carlos Rodon. He's pretty good last time I checked, right? So just looking at the moves, like, the, hey, things are still going over towards the Yankee side. Yeah, he's going to miss the first month of the season. That's okay. Because guess what? I, you know, I took a glance at some things. Um, starting pitching in 2022. I, I used 2022 stats because I think it's very relevant and it's prevalent and shows what pitchers are doing actively. Uh, Red Sox starting pitcher war. Whether you like war or not, it sometimes gives you an, an idea, a general idea of what's going on here. Starting pitchers for the Red Sox, 1.2 war. Yankees, 2.4 war. Wow, okay, Yankee side. Uh, quality starts from the Red Sox in 22. 46, quality starts from the Yankees in 22. 68, great. Now you're like, ah, oh, well, you know, some pieces of move. Uh, oh, the Red Sox, we, we didn't have our guys. We, you know, oh, the Yankees, uh, they're not going to have all their guys start opening day. So I, I ran some numbers, um, and I used – these names of who I thought would be opening day people for the Red Sox, Kluber, Sale, Hauk, Pavetta, and Crawford. Uh, that's what I think Luke has said in the past, what could be on opening day, um, at least to start the season. So I, I ran some numbers for those guys. Um, quality starts with those names um, in, from 22. They had 31. All right. You're like, okay, cool. You can't just go based on total amount of quality starts, but we can look at the percentage of quality starts. Uh, those guys had 37% quality start. If you combine all of their start totals, uh, the Yankees guys for opening day, uh, Derek Cole, Clark Schmidt, Domingo Herman, Nestor Cortez, and Johnny Brito. I used his, uh, minor league stats. They had, uh, 51 quality starts and they had 45% quality start rate. You tell me who has the better starting pitching going into the season. Oh, and that also doesn't account for Carlos Rodon. Definitely some great points, Barnes. Obviously, both teams dealing with some injuries at the beginning of the year. However, we said it in November. We said it's in the Yankees' favor, and it definitely seems to still be. But I'll go to Luke and, uh, and Joey first. I'll go to the Red Sox guys. Let them kind of counter that a little bit. Luke? I think that uh... – Obviously, Barnes is right on paper. The Yankees rotation, especially if Rodon is healthy, 
Who the hell knows about that, by the way? If Bruno's healthy, then on paper, they look a lot better. And that the starting rotation is definitely the biggest leap of faith that Red Sox fans have to take if they're going to believe in this team this year. That's the biggest leap of faith they're going to have to take towards what Bloom is doing. They got to hope that Brian Bayo ends up being, uh, is actually an ace in the making. Not that he'd be an ace this year, but down the road and that he'll be an effective pitcher this year. They have to have faith that Garrett Whitlock is going to be uh, the kind of starting pitcher that the Red Sox hope he is and not just a guy who can be in a nasty uh, closer. Um, they have to hope that Chris Sale is healthy. <clears throat> they have to hope that, um, you know, that Tanner Houck, at least at the beginning of the year, until everyone's healthy and moves to the bullpen, that he can be the kind of guy that can get righties and lefties out for five or six innings a game. Um, I think um, that they have, I think that there's a good chance that most of those things will work out. They have, Oh, they also have to have faith that Nick Pavetta is actually closer to the guy who was in the first half last year than he was in the second half last year. I think most of those things will happen. Not all of them will uh, specifically Bayo and Whitlock, I think are going to be a lot better than a lot, a lot of people realize, but they have to prove they can stay healthy first. So I totally understand people thinking, well, yes, the pendulum's way in the Yankees favor as far as starting pitching goes. But I think there, I think most likely it's a lot closer than people think, especially now look at the five, opening look at the five start the starting five that are the Yankees are going to start the year with now with injuries already before we've even been thrown a game in the 162 game season uh Joey as I said for the folks listening to this and now watching on YouTube uh Lucas reporting from Bluminati HQ I know that you're reporting from the Washington DC branch uh so uh tuning in let us know your thoughts on uh, the Red Sox starting pitching well, I didn't realize that I was uh, entered into the Bluminati society, but uh, I guess I guess it's good to be here now. Um, yeah, very typical. I mean, I think the Yankees do have a better rotation on paper than the Red Sox this year. And of course, you know, Haim Bloom is one of those guys. He just never gets tired walking backwards. So our team just continues and c- continues to lose the progress it's made every year. So uh I think as a general, as a general rule, this season, starting pitching is going to be less important for all major league baseball teams. I think with the new rules, uh, especially the pitch clock and the shifting rules, I think offense as a whole is going to be on the upswing and quality starting pitching is going to matter less because a lot of starting pitchers are going to be bad. And there's going to be very few that are going to be able to perform well in this run environment. Uh, I'd say the Yankees are maybe like slightly ahead of the Red Sox. Uh, I just, like, I don't, I don't believe in their rotation. Uh, I, I look at Rodon. I see he's very much capable of being a basket case this season. I, I could see him making like 10 starts the whole year. You know, like I, we don't know that that's not what his timeline projects, but he's an injury prone guy and he might not show up. And then, you know, it's, it's the same couldn't be said for sale. So we really don't know. We'll have to, it will, it will end up shaking out to be who's the healthiest because you know, unfortunately for, for Barnier and Cassim, and I know they're going to disagree with me and Barnes, by the way, I, I thought it was very like Barnesian to include someone's minor league pitching statistics for quality starts. Like some scrub, like I forget what his name is. John, uh, John Bozo, John Bozo has like 38 quality starts in double a last year. That's great. Barnes not, doesn't really apply. You know, they're not playing the Orioles every day. You know, they're playing real major league teams. Uh, It's going to come down to who's the healthiest Whitlock is a guy who's capable of making quality starts and have pitching to an ERA in the threes. Same thing with Hauk. 
Bayo is capable of being an ace potentially if he hits his ceiling this year, which I'm not saying he will, but I mean, that potential is within him. Sale, if he performs, will be excellent. And Kluber, you know, to talk about the Kluber subject, he's very reminiscent of me uh, about, he's like very reminiscent of Cam Newton. You guys remember Cam Newton when he came to the Patriots? I remember looking at Instagram and seeing everyone was like, Cam Newton on the Patriots, we're back. And I actually were looking at it and going, wow, I would have liked to have Cam Newton like five years ago, but Cam Newton now, to quote Cassim, not very good, right? So uh, Kluber, people look at him and go, oh, that's the guy that won the two Cy Youngs. That's awesome. That was a long time ago. I was in like in middle school when that happened. He's got to perform now and be a good pitcher now, right? Pat, Pat has seen a lot of good pitching in his life. He remembers Kluber fondly, but me, I remember Kluber as like an old fuddy. So hopefully he performs well this season, but certainly not going to be breaching the expectations of some older-minded fans. John, I'm going to let you speak on the Yankees' perspective. Unfortunately, as always, the Red Sox guys have taken up most of the talking time, so I only have a little bit of airtime to give you, but I'm happy to give it to you. All right, I'll try to make this quick. Look, what I like about the Yankees' rotation is that they're finally building a rotation that gives you different looks. For the longest time, the Yankees had a rotation that was just strikeout guy, strikeout guy. They were looking at guys that got a lot of strikeouts, and that was pretty much it. It's the same look every every single night, and teams are eventually going to get accustomed to that in a short series. So now the Yankees have right-handed and left-handed strikeout pitchers, but they also have right-handed and left-handed pitchers that pitch to contact. It's just a different look that you can mix things up from night to night, which is going to help keep hitters confused. That's what I think moves the pendulum in the Yankees' favor is because it seems like they're finally figuring out what they've gotten wrong for the past 20 years, and that's starting pitching is important, which is why I think the pendulum is moving away from the Red Sox because it seems like, well, I know over the past 20 years, the Red Sox have had the better starting rotation. They've had the better starting pitching, and that's really – what's been the defining factor between the teams. They both had great lineups, but the defining factor was the starting pitching and the Yankees and high or the Red Sox and high bloom seem to be moving away from that going with reclamation projects, which I've seen the Yankees do. It doesn't work. I've seen them go with guys that they expect to be pitch above their heads. Like Nick Pavetta. He's not a number one, maybe number three, or maybe he fits that role, but he's not a number one or they go with converting guys who are really, really good out of the bullpen and say, Hey, let's make this guy a starter. And just because the guy is really good out of the bullpen doesn't always really translate into being a great starter. For that reason, I think the Red Sox are moving away from Valley and starting pitching. Yankees are finally figuring out what they've done wrong for the past 20 years and doing what the Red Sox were doing. So they switch spots, and that's why I think the pendulum is now in the Yankees' favor. Joey, I'll send it back to you now. Uh, offense, um, not a whole lot of changes on the Yankees' side. Um, some pretty big changes on the Red Sox side. Uh, so I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, I heard war be brought up as a legitimate statistic earlier. And I, I was looking at the projected wars of these two offenses and the, and the Yankees projected war was higher, but not as, not as not much higher than you'd think. Uh, but of course, war, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. So I, I look at Yoshida. I look at Turner as being key additions to this roster, but you really don't know how they're going to fit in. Um, Yoshida obviously never played in the United States, performed very well in the, in the so-called WBC. And so hopefully will perform well in the major leagues, but we don't, we don't know. And Justin Turner's, you know, Pat's age. So he could totally be a, an old fuddy this year and not perform very well. We don't know. Uh, 
I would say the Yankees are the much safer offensive team. Uh, Judge will probably have a solid year. Stanton will, you know, he's going to have a lot of RBIs if he plays. Rizzo's a quality hitter. And DJ LeMahieu, if he doesn't, if he bounces back and he doesn't uh, perform like he did last year, he'll be excellent too. So I, I give the edge to the Yankees starting lineup, which which hurts me to say a lot, but uh, the I, I feel like the Yankees do have a lot of lot of holes. Uh, you're gonna have IKF in that lineup sometimes. You know, you're gonna have Trevino. You know, not 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 a lot of not a ton of great hitters in that lineup, but certainly top heavy. And if it's healthy, it will be excellent. But the Red Sox, I would say. Have a very, I think are going to have a very good soft hitting lineup. Not going to be a lot of power, but it feels like to me that people like Verdugo, people like Yoshida, Devers, Turner, they're going to be getting on base. I wouldn't be surprised if all of those guys didn't have OBPs ranging from 350 to 400. I, I think the Red Sox will be on base a lot. And even last year, when the Red Sox had a very, very, very poor year, the Red Sox were some of the top five ranked offenses in the league, I think. So who knows what's going to happen this season? You know, Heim Bloom could be wearing a pine overcoat by the end of the season. He could get fired by Henry uh, if this offense doesn't perform well. But I expect it to perform well. I expect the Yankees to perform well too. But they have questions of health, and they have questions of is LeMahieu going to bounce back? So certainly the Yankees are the safe bet. But don't be surprised if the Red Sox offense is better than the Yankees next season. Taylor, Joey calls the WBC the so-called WBC, but I know you liked what you saw from Masataka Yoshida in that, so I'll, I'll send it to you now. I really liked uh, everything he had to offer, and I'm really excited to see what he produces in the next season. Um, I mean, his teammates can't seem to say enough good things about him, and oh, Siri. Uh, his teammates can't seem to say enough good things about him. Rafi was saying what a great natural swing he had. Trevor Story saying he's clutch. Uh, Justin Turner has been saying some good things. So, so it's not just me who sees the potential in him. And I, you know, it's it's a huge question mark. Are his talents going to translate well to the MLB? I mean, we don't know. At the end of the day, we don't know. But I think it's looking good, and I'm really excited to see him in the cleanup spot. I think that we have been lacking a real true command in that cleanup spot for a while and I think that this is a good opportunity for him to really show show us what he's got he had the best offensive with WBC anybody's ever had Shohei Itani winning the MVP award it's like a role reversal from last year's MVP it was a total it was a total PR move nothing more <laughs> Luke saying arguing for Shohei Otani to not win the right, MVP. Right. <laughs> we'll talk about this later. Luke. We don't have time for this. Uh, Taylor, you break up a really, you bring up rather a really interesting point. It's it's a it's a lineup of a lot of number twos. Feels like right. Uh, Kasim, I feel like the Yankees lineup. Maybe this is just me. Is a lot of number threes, maybe number fours. Um, the balance of the lineup is interesting. I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, uh, the Yankee lineup. Uh, like I said from. Last time we talked, I believe that they were going to bring back the same crew, except they lost Ben Intendi, which was, I think, in my opinion, a big loss. But I think Stan's going to have a good year. I believe Judge. I think it's just way better than the Red Sox. I mean, who are you relying on the Red Sox besides Devers? I think Yoshida is going to end up doing well coming from Japan. And uh, I don't know. Who's your third player? So there's not much. The Yankees from top to bottom, I believe, well, everybody wants to rip Donaldson. I think Donaldson's going to do well. I know his glove is there, but I think his bat is going to come alive. Uh, LeMayo is healthy. I just like him in the utility role. Glaber is going to bounce back. And top to bottom, I think the Yankees 
hands down 10 times better than the Red Sox. It's no, it's no competition. Wow. Interesting. All right. Laying down the gauntlet, Derek, I'll let you uh, wrap this one up very quickly. Yeah, I, I think this one is interesting. Um, like the Yankees, like, like, no, like I said, kind of with their front office, like their lineup hasn't changed much. Right. But so we kind of know what's going on. There's Red Sox lineup. It's changed. I like, I could have brought this up when we are talking about the managers, but if, if it's more fitting for the offense, I feel like this Red Sox offense is almost like a picture perfect example of what Alex Cora wants from a lineup. Maybe add, maybe you could add another like slugger in the middle of the lineup, but you look up and down the line, it's guys who like, like I said earlier, they can, they can work keeping house, have competitive bats, but also too, Alex Cora is big on situational hitting, being able to put the ball in play. I think this will be a very doubles heavy team for the Red Sox. Uh, you look at guys like Cassis, I think could be a 30, 40 double guy. Verdugo had 39 doubles last year, played the first two months with a broken toe. He could hit 40 doubles. I think Yoshida could be a 30, 40 double guy. Devers is a 40 double guy, maybe even a 50 double guy. Um, you know, if Trevor Story is healthy for a full year, which he's not, he could be a 40 double guy, but he's not healthy. So, but let's say he plays three months, he could hit 20 doubles in three months if he gets hot. Um, like there's a, like you go up and down the line, it's going to be a very doubles heavy lineup. And I think it's a lineup that can put the ball in play when needed. And that's a, the Red Sox didn't have last year. So I think this Red Sox lineup will overperform what some people think just because they'll be able to create runs and not just to get a guy on base, hit a home run. You get a guy on base so they can move them around. So I think this Red Sox lineup is a totally different thing to this Yankees, to the Yankees lineup. Where the Yankees lineup, they're gonna look to hit, they're gonna hit their home runs, they're gonna hit for power. Uh, whereas the Red Sox lineup, they're gonna be playing the gaps a lot more and hitting singles and doubles, um, and that's how they're gonna produce most of their runs. Kasim, uh, you laid it down, man. I, you know, saying length in the Yankees lineup, I think I personally have to disagree a little bit with guys like Donaldson and IKF and Hicks playing regularly. So I am very interested uh, how you're gonna lead this discussion on each team's bullpen. Bullpen, here we go. All right, Red Sox. I'll start off with the Red Sox. It's fine. Uh, I mean, getting Kenley Jansen, Chris Martin. Uh, if you guys want to name me off the rest of the names, that's fine. But there's not really anybody that scares me. I think all those guys that you guys sign, if the Red Sox are on a down year, I think they're tradable to, in order to get prospects, help build and get younger players. On the Yankee side, I think we're... I think we're totally legit. I like it. Clay Holmes coming back. Loisaga. We got Wandy Peralta. Michael King coming back from injury is big. Um, we'll also have Ron Marinaccio. Um, I think they got a... They're still one of the top five best Major League bullpens in Major League Baseball. Uh, I think this is what carries the team mostly besides their pitching staff. They rely heavily on the bullpen, especially Aaron Boone. Uh, just the way his strategy, the way he goes about the game. I think if you had to compare the two, I think Yankees, by a long shot, they they got a way better bullpen. And it showed because it carries them into the playoffs, winning the division, trying to get far, hopefully carry them to the World Series. But uh, I think Yankees bullpen is just a matter of health. And I think top to bottom, I think they're they're legit. John, do you think that they are legit top to bottom from another Yankee fan perspective? Oh, absolutely. This The Yankees, the one thing they have done right consistently is put together a bullpen. They always have a top bullpen. They always develop a couple bullpen arms out of the farm system every couple of years. 
uh, to really step in and pitch well. And a lot of people don't know this. The Yankees had the most wins in relief in 2022. Um, so they've just proven to be a solid bullpen, and I have a lot of faith in them. Whereas the Red Sox bullpen, um, maybe a little bit questionable, but I do think the Red Sox probably have the best bullpen they've had in several seasons. So maybe the gap is starting to close a little between the two teams. Uh, Derek, obviously you're speaking as a Red Sox fan, but I know you have some Yankees thoughts, so I'll throw it to you before we move to the Red Sox. Yeah, I think this Yankees bullpens, like I, like John said, Yankees have had very good bullpens recently. Um, but I, I want to kind of highlight the kind of key importance of Michael King last year for the Yankees because people outside of New York, I think, didn't realize how big of an injury it was when he did get injured. Like You, you could make the argument he was the best setup man in baseball up until he got injured, right? So the Yankees are getting him back. You could have Clay Holmes potentially have another good year. I, I'm super high on Jonathan Eliza. I've talked with John about this forever. Super high on – I'm super high on Eliza. And he can play a part in this bullpen. It's a very deep – Wani Peralta is a very good lefty. Ron Marinaccio, I know he's not left-handed, but he does very well against lefties. He's a righty who actually faces lefties better than righties. Um, so he's almost like their kind of second lefty, I guess, in the pen, if you want to put it that way, because they don't have a second lefty. Um, it's a very, very deep bullpen. And that's why I think this Yankees bullpen, it's a bullpen that as a Red Sox fan, it's like, I look at it, I'm like, damn, there's a lot of good guys in there. And that's a team like, I don't want to get into like the sixth, seventh inning behind, against the Yankees team behind going into that bullpen, being behind by a couple of runs, because it's not a fun bullpen to have to face. Luke, I'll let you wrap it up with the Red Sox side. The only thing about the Yankees is that they they don't know who the closer is going to be. Maybe in a house they do, but that's a that's nothing to just you know brush past because you know we all know just because you're a good reliever doesn't mean you're a great you're you're a great closer. So that's a big I, I won't call it a hole, but it's a big mystery on the Yankees. You know they thought they had it in Clay Holmes last year until the Red Sox broke him. And so now, I mean, are they going to put their only real lefty, Wandy Peralta, as the closer? Because he's the guy who's got the most, seems like he does the best in high leverage situations. I mean, really high leverage situations. He was the best Yankees player in the playoffs last year, other than maybe Harrison Bader. And the Red Sox, I mean, the Red Sox, I think it's pretty close. You've got Kenley Jansen, you got Chris Martin, you got John Schreiber, now a superstar reliever. Um, and then once uh, the, the starting pitchers are all healthy in a week or two, uh, then you throw in Tanner Houck and Cutter Crawford in there too. So a lot of talented guys and uh, most of them, you know, pretty experienced and that we've seen, we've seen them in the bullpen and they have really good stuff. So I think that's, I don't think that's a runaway for the Yankees uh, even, even close to that. Derek, I'll throw it to you next because one of the things that we want to think about in a second, Taylor's going to talk about expectations for 2023, but one of the things that we uh, take into account in this conversation is the future, okay? Um, and uh, that's usually defined by farm systems. So I want a uh, brief rundown from you um, on both teams, farm systems, do a little state of the farm and what we can, excuse me, who can we expect to see maybe in 23? And uh, who's going to make a difference uh, beyond? Yeah, well, we'll start off with this first, obviously. Uh, the Red Sox, they have a recent graduate from the farm system in Brian Bayo, who graduated. He only, he only got like five innings or six innings or something like that past uh, prospect status. So 
he's not, I know he's not technically a prospect anymore, but he's a very recent graduate of the farm system. You have a guy like Tristan Cassis, who is still considered a prospect, who, you know, will be starting on the opening day roster. The Yankees, however, they have Anthony Volpe, who's going to be starting on the opening day roster. Uh, Oswald Peraza can be, could be uh, potentially in the mix too. Um, if he doesn't make the opening day roster, you'll probably, the Yankees fans will probably see him at some point in 23. Uh, he did get a start in the ALCS last year. You also have uh, Oswaldo Cabrera, another prospect for the Yankees. He's past prospect status. He's a recent graduate for the Yankees, right? So when you talk about recent graduates, both teams have kind of brought up a lot of guys. I think start getting into the weeds of the farm system. Obviously, the Red Sox have Meyer, who's like, who's kind of comparable to Volpe in terms of they're both like very high level shortstop prospects. They're probably one and two in terms of shortstop prospects, although Meyer, obviously. So Volpe starting the year in the big leagues. Meyer's probably going to start the year in high A. Um, so they are far apart in terms of their levels right now, but prospect status, they're close. Um, but you get into the weeds of the farm system. The Yankees have Jason Dominguez. The Red Sox have Miguel Blaze, a little bit, you know, farther away from the big leagues places, but he has that same kind of potential, right? So there's a kind of two guys who are similar. When you start looking deeper, though, the Red Sox, you start bringing in the guys like Sedan Rafaela, who's my personal favorite guy in the system. Uh, you start even going past that. You have guys like Nick York, who was in top 100s uh, heading into 2022. Had an injured year. Now he's out of it. You start looking at guys like Baimata, who you'll probably see him in 2023 at some point. Um, even Brandon Walter, Chris Murphy, you could see those guys in 2023 as well. Um, you start going down. The Red Sox seemingly have a very good pitching prop in the low minors with guys like Luis Perales, and you have um, and you have a whole bunch of those young guys kind of coming out of, of rookie ball and getting into low A and high A, where Red Sox have a lot of good pitchers down there in the low minors. So when you start looking at the depth of the minor leagues, the Red Sox have kind of pulled the head in terms of depth, especially in the lower minors. And then towards the upper minors, both teams are a little rough, right? Because the Red Sox, most of their talents, lower minors, Yankees, their high minors talent is now graduating with Volpe and Barraza and Cabrera, right? Um, overall, I think the Red Sox definitely have an advantage here, especially when it comes to, and I think that system depth really play, helps the Red Sox there. Um, especially if you start taking out the guys who are graduating or are about to graduate. The Yankee system really is going to be like Dominguez and then a big drop-off, whereas the Red Sox have Meyer, Blaze, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So I think the Red Sox definitely have the edge there. Barnes, I want to talk about this one uh, with you a little bit because you and I have, have been talking about this one behind the scenes recently. Uh, listening to what Derek just had to say kind of cements how I feel, at least, which is all, all season long, we kept making jokes about the core four, the core four, uh, the four guys in the history of the New York Yankees to be developed by the team and come up through the farm system. And Yankee fans are, are so proud of this fact that they have, you know, sort of sanctioned them and, and sainted them rather, excuse me, sainted them um, and, you know, consider them, uh, the, you know, I don't even know what you're going to call it. They're patting themselves on the back, essentially. Right. And I think, Derek's right. You have Anthony Volpe. You know, I would consider him a poor man's Marcelo Meyer, but that's a different story. After that, at this point, he's on the opening day roster. Uh, what are you looking at? Here we go. Classic Red Sox fan going, oh, well, your guy is a poor man's version of our guy. Just like uh, they did for uh, Nomar Dugar-Siapara and Jeter, who is, you know, all but one vote was un basically unanimous Hall of Famer. Nomar, oh, 
yeah, whatever. Who's just, he's a schlub. Okay, so get the hell out of here. And the reason this conversation even started was you're like, oh, the Yankees haven't produced anything over the last 20 years. So guess what? I dug up the last 20 years worth of crap because you said come with notes. I came on with a ton of notes and I'll share them with you. But I'm not gonna. I'm gonna save you guys, the listeners, some time. But guess what? Oh, hey, you know how uh, Vegas has odds on like Rookie of the Year and an MVP and stuff like that. Oh. One of the guys who's favored for AL Rookie of the Year, Gunnar Henderson, was drafted by the Red Sox. Oh, and he plays for your beloved Orioles. So take that Boston Red Sox shirt off. You and Taylor, take that hat off. I know you guys are Orioles fans. Put on your Gunnar Henderson shirts because, you know, well, whatever. Oh, and Judd Fabian, drafted by the Red Sox, now plays for the Orioles. So, yeah, you guys have, oh, well, we have Mayer and Nick York and Blaze Jordan. And you know what? Great. Yeah, we have Volpe and Dominguez. But what do the Yankees do with their farm prospects? They trade for MLB-ready talent, right? So it's, hey, you can go, well, we have a better farm. Great. That's really cute. But we got guys who are playing the MLB. We've got guys. So, like, you're you're patting yourselves on the back for the award that doesn't matter. You really are. What are those guys doing for you right now? Nothing. Nothing. Lawrence, I, I appreciate you so much. From my perspective, I think you did nothing but prove my point, which is they cannot develop guys. They ship them off. I mean, after last season, it's desolate after the Benny trade and, and named any trade last year. I mean, that is an emptied out farm system. Here you go. Here it is. The Yankees produced an AL MVP who is also Rookie of the Year, Aaron Judge. You guys produced Mookie Betts. Mm-hmm. He's not even on your team anymore. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you t- Done. They did produce him, though. I mean, yeah, you know, we can, t- we can talk all day about how Otani should have been the MVP last year. But, you know, Barnes, uh, we can get into this even more on our Sunday night shows because um, we just don't have the time, unfortunately. But this has been fun. And uh, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, finally hearing that list of who those prospects are because I still haven't heard it yet. Um, Taylor, we're, not, we're done talking about the 2027 Yankees and Red Sox this year. This is why we're, we're pausing right now at the beginning of the season to break down expectations for both sides, setting the pendulum before this season. We have a first-place team and a last-place team. We have a 99-win team and a 78-win team. I want to hear uh, what you believe to be uh, what both teams uh, uh, had their sights set on. You know, everybody's already had a lot of great things to say, and I don't want to spend this time just echoing all the great things that people have said, but you're right. We have two teams, one finished first in the division and one finished last. And the pendulum was set that, you know, set to the Yankees for that very reason. And um, the Red Sox look different this year. Okay. Like we lost Sander, we lost JD, we lost Evaldi, but we brought in some, you know, who I think are going to be some, some big producers. We brought in Yoshida, we brought in Turner, we brought in Kluber. And uh, we, you know, we have a healthy Chris sale, which I think is going to be um, a big asset to us, assuming he can stay healthy. I know he's injury prone, but you know, here's the hoping um, we have a new catching core and bullpen and, you know, we don't know at the end of the day if they are going to be better or worse because it is a brand new team. We can't compare a brand new team to a squad who who during the season itself last year had a tremendous amount of turnover. We don't know what their chemistry is going to be like. We don't know if they're actually, you know, going to stay this team. We don't know what injuries are going to come up, what, you know, what trades are going to happen. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, I think that we've, you know, done a, a decent job with with 
bringing in some really great guys in and we're approaching the peak of Heim's uh, long-term sustainability plan. And, and we're seeing that with Cassis and Bayo on the roster. So we, we saw a lot of great success in the 2021 ALCS. We uh, took the Astros six games, which is something that the Yankees couldn't do last year. So I think that that kind of success is something that we can look to this year with a new team, but it's hard to say with the Red Sox. Um, in terms of the Yankees, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, they, they've changed very, very little on their roster. And um, they made it through a long 162-game season last year. They came out on top of the division, and Judge had a legendary season. Uh, I think that in terms of the Yankees, they're hoping to learn from mistakes and grow from injuries and, and find similar success as last year. Interesting. We're talking about two teams who in the past two years have made the ALCS to what at this point is, you know, one of the most cemented dynasties of all time, the Houston Astros. Um, Taylor's point, uh, doesn't matter who finished first, doesn't matter who finished last, it's a new season. They both have their set, sights set on the playoffs. It's interesting. I like it. I like the optimism. Um, I also like every time Barnes laughs about Corey Kluber because he's just upset with, with how much he's stunk on the Yankees. Um, anybody? Oh, Joey wants to go. Joey, uh, you can go here. See the seasonal outlook. Wow. What a scary, scary subject. It's like this upcoming season is like a really okay. You guys not hear me? It's like a it's like a Robert Frost poem. It's like desolate, dark, cold. And I'm gonna keep the window shut because I don't want to let the cold air in. It's the Red Sox certainly, I think, have a ceiling of making being a playoff team. And I know. Uh, these Yankees characters will disagree with me, but I also want to say that I do disagree with the 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 blue Manati people uh, like Luke. You know, uh, Pavetta's the ace. You know, full of full of great takes. Luke is you know, only facts, only real Amer only real predictions come from Luke. Like Pavetta being the ace and other things like that, and the bandwagon from last year in June. So you know, we're all wrong about things sometimes, but I think this team certainly is capable if they perform well of making the playoffs it's we're certainly the Red Sox certainly aren't out of it and to go with the Yankees I think the Yankees are are capable of collapsing uh it's not very likely and I, I know I'll get some eyebrow raises about this but their their team just is a really big health question mark and now that three of their starters out of their five are already out for the season and in a competitive division I could certainly see the Yankees you know finishing, you know, maybe only a few games above 500, you know, I, it's possible. So it's very swingy. Um, of course, I give the Yankees the advantage going into the season, but uh, I would not count the Red Sox out this year against the Yankees. Uh, I think it's certainly possible the Yankees go, I mean, the Red Sox end up going farther in the playoffs, even if they have a worse record than the Yankees, because the, the one thing the Red Sox have over the Yankees this year, I think very clearly is they have players that, that win in the playoffs. Right, man. They have players that that have won the World Series. They have players that go deep in the playoffs. The Yankees, they're all choke artists in the playoffs. You know, Aaron Judge, Garrett Cole. I mean, this is what they do. This is their game. So I think it's, you know, I'd really hate to be a Yankees fan because, you know, I complain. I'm not a Bloom fan. I complain about all the losing seasons. But at least I don't convince myself every year that it's the year, man. And then I get lied to and I lose every year. I couldn't do that. I couldn't, I couldn't do that, frankly. So I applaud you guys for, for giving you yourselves that false sense of security every year and then selling the bag against like, 
the Astros and the ALDS every season. So I salute the Yankees fans for, for being solid in their ignorance of what reality is. And the reality is in this, in this, in this century, the Yankees don't win very much. I'm sorry. Joey coming in hot. I like how this show started very, let's take both sides and it has devolved, devolved more into bleacher brawls. Also, Joey, you say that you'd hate to be a Yankees fan because then every year is the year. I'd hate to be a Yankees fan because I'd have to root for the New York Yankees. Uh, but John, I'll, I'll go to you. I'll, I'll let the Yankee fan here uh, wrap this one up. Well, Barnes uh, has called Joey out on this before. He drafted Aaron Judge in our fantasy football league. He's a Yankees fan on our fantasy baseball league. He's a Yankees fan on some level this season. That's a a lot of talk there. I think Joey's learning from Luke to talk big. Look, I mean, as far as expectations go for this season, the Red Sox have very low expectations. They're a last place team last year, and a lot of people are picking them to be in last place again. So really anything is going to surpass expectations. I think they do have a ceiling in making the playoffs. So the Red Sox are going to be end up being competitive at the end of the day. Uh, but they do have low expectations going into the season. Not a World Series team, but potentially a playoff team. The Yankees, on the other hand, is, yes, okay, you know what, Joey, you made some great points there. I can't even argue it. Every single year, it's World Series or bust for the Yankees fans. And I think we're in trouble this year because I don't think they're that team. Um, you know, they, they're going to probably make the playoffs. I think they'll probably win the World Series. And I think that a lot of these early season injuries are them just being cautious because this team is now trying to manage the season for the playoffs. So they're not really concerned about whether or not Carlos Rodon or Luis Severino pitches in April and May because you really want them pitching in September, October. And Luis Severino has come out and said, you know, like, I could pitch. Like, this is them just being cautious. So I think the Yankees' expectations, again, yes, we're expecting a World Series win. I personally expect to make the playoffs and I don't know if they are actually a world series team, but I do expect them to be better than the Red Sox. Alex Verdugo has also said he could pitch. Doesn't necessarily mean it's true. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. I think uh, in general intimation, I think we're looking at a, a Yankees team that like what they saw last year, wanted to resign their big guy, resign, or, excuse me, sign the big pitcher, call up the big prospect. They're making the big moves. Meanwhile, the Red Sox on their side, as, as I've referred to them before, are kind of the all potential team. Uh, you have a lineup that really could do some damage, but we don't know, as Taylor said, you know, a lot of these guys have never even played together before. So um, this is definitely going to be an interesting season. Uh, here's what we're going to do now. We're going to go through the same order that we went through before, and I'm going to give each guy 30 seconds. Show's running a little long, boys and girl. Uh, show's running a little long. Give you all 30 seconds to say where you think uh, the pendulum should be set going into this season. So a reminder, folks watching on YouTube, Derek's going to put it right here. Ooh, okay. The pendulum is kind of one tick in the Yankees' favor, 7 o'clock, as we like to refer to it. So I'm going to go in order, uh, see what everybody thinks. If it should stay where it is, if the Yankees have made enough moves to really swing it in their favor, or if the Red Sox and their, their multitude of moves have done enough to swing it right back in the middle, and we are right at 50-50. Uh, Luke, I will let you go first. Give me your, your 30-second spiel where you think it should be. So it, the Yankees look better on paper for the right now. The Red Sox look like they have a better future. The pendulum should take future potential into consideration as that's a significant aspect of the state of the two teams. 
but the coming season should be the primary focus. I think of it as about 75% to 25% as far as where the significance should lie between what the team's like now, what the team will be like in the future. Thus, the Yankees have improved their current status, while the Red Sox may have improved their status, but that's really just theoretical. Um, so my vote is actually to move it another tick in the Yankees' direction to uh, 8 o'clock. Oof, that, that hurts to hear from you, Luke. John, I'll go to you next. Uh, head Yankee fan, what are you thinking? Well, for me, I look at everything that happened in this offseason and where we stood when we did the pendulum video back in December. It was at 7 o'clock, like you said before. To me, I don't think either of these teams have done enough to separate themselves. I think the Yankees, they made some moves, but really they didn't make themselves I feel that much better or really get that much worse. Same with the Red Sox. I don't necessarily think they're that much better or that much worse. So my vote is to keep it where it is at 7 o'clock. Uh, Barnes. Here we go. So let's just run down what we talked about. Front office, the Yankees improved. The Red Sox didn't. They stayed the same. Uh, team leadership, uh, that's the same across the board. Like, whatever. Who cares? Because those two things don't even really count. Uh, starting pitchers, the Yankees improved. The Red Sox didn't really improve. They stayed the same. Uh, offense, um, Red Sox got a little bit better. So did the Yankees. Uh, bullpen, Yankees are better. Red Sox got a little bit better, but not much better. So farm system, uh, who cares about it? Because it's the future. It's 20%. So uh, 8 o'clock, like Luke said, because Luke's always right. All right. Uh, Joey? Yeah, it does kind of bother me when you guys talk about baseball teams like it's a Roth IRA or a 401k. Oh, we're saving for the future. It's, it's all going to be great. But uh, no, I think uh, despite the uh, reign of terror of Heim Bloom upon this franchise and this fan base and, and the relentless drum of the Jacobins in his fan base like Luke and Derek, uh, I still believe that the clock should stay where it is. Uh, I don't think the Yankees have significantly improved from last year. And I think the the balance of power is relatively the same. So I, I think it should stay where it is. And I think I wouldn't be surprised, you know, the Yankees next season, when they enter the playoffs, they become a different team. It's like, it's like, it's like a catfish. They're, they're a catfish. They, they convince you they're pretty over the internet, over the internet. They convince you they're a great team over the regular season. Then, they uh, enter the wild card game and lose like 13 to one to the Red Sox, you know? So there you go. With a Brock Holt playoff cycle. <laughs> All right. Uh, Kasim, uh, do you think it swung even more in the Yankees favor? Do you like it where it is right now? Just a little bit Yankee advantage. What are you thinking? No, it's a big advantage to the Yankees. Uh, it's no competition. That's being realistic. I'm not trying to be just because I'm a Yankee fan. If I have to tell it the way it is, I tell it the way it is. Red Sox are not going nowhere. Um, you got a piece that I'm hoping he does well, and that's Chris Sale. I'm rooting for him. So he could be traded at the deadline. That's the only thing I'm rooting for. And uh, the Yankees, uh, they should be in it. Win the division, get to the playoffs, and hopefully we can beat our kryptonite in the Astros. So that's the plan. Let's get number 28. We haven't seen it since 2009. So I'm hoping Cashman does the right moves. Uh, starting Volpe in the you know, making the opening day roster helps. So hopefully they're going in the right direction. Yeah, some things those big moves were big enough to swing the pendulum. Uh, Derek, your thoughts? 
right. Um. Well, I I agree with John that neither team made really any like thing any significant moves one way or the other. So I'll use my time to say this. Um, I'm gonna might piss off some people here. Um, but Michael Bowden, he he walks so Garrett Whitlock could run. Uh, Justin Masterson walked so Tanner Hout could run. Yamaiko Navarro. Or Yamiko, I like Yamiko one. better though. Navarro walks as Tadon Rafaela could run. Okay, so um, where are you putting the pendulum, Derek? <laughs> I'm keeping it in the same spot because, like I said, like John said, I don't think either team like significantly got better. I, I think John and I did a YouTube video saying where, uh, like, saying that the Red Sox, and I said this actually, I think the Red Sox, they're kind of in transition of this transition from their older core last year, right? Bogarts, of all those guys, right? Into this kind of new core and the younger core of Devers and they're going to bring in Cassidus and Bayo and Hauk and Whitlock and all these guys who are going to start coming through the system, right? Um, and I always say this with guys coming through the system. I feel like it's always better to come through the system as a group. And the Red Sox have a very talented group in the low minors right now. It's going to take a while, um, but they brought in some veteran pieces to still keep their team competitive while they're waiting on that next core to fully come up, right? So I don't, I think the Red Sox will be better than they were last year, record wise. I think the Yankees will be a little bit worse just because it's the, the, the AL East is ridiculous. And, you know, I don't see any team winning. I don't think any, I don't even know if any team can win 95 games in that division just because there's so many stacked teams in the AL. Um, I don't think it's really moved because Ryan Kalish uh, walked so Jaron Duran could run. <laughs> Thanks, Derek. <God. laughs> All right. A generous 30 seconds. 30 seconds, Taylor. All right. I listen, I have to go with uh, staying where it is because I feel like it's really impossible to know. It's really impossible to compare again, especially because of the WBC. We, we a lot of these guys haven't played together, but Siri. Oh, thank you. It's really impossible to know because a lot of these guys have never played together, especially because of the WBC this year. Um, but I'm choosing to be an optimist and saying that these roster moves on the sock side are significant enough to imply growth. Uh, so, you know what? I, I think I'm going to stay, stay exactly where it is. Uh, I am also going to keep it where it is, which I think uh, that's going to keep that vote there at kind of the seven o'clock position. Uh, my belief is we know exactly what the New York Yankees are going to be. They're going to be uh, the 2022 New York Yankees, except a little bit worse because Aaron Judge will never be able to replicate that. And, and he was a 10 war player last year. Meanwhile, the Red Sox are the all potential team uh, checking with me in the middle of the season uh, when we look like last year and it'll be a different story, but we don't look like last year. It's a different squad. I think things have changed enough to be optimistic about it. Meanwhile, the Yankees know exactly what they can expect, which is to get swept by the Astros um, in the playoffs. So that's where it is, folks. We are keeping it where it is just slightly in the Yankees' favor. Obviously, 99 wins last year, hard to doubt. ALCS appearance, hard to doubt, right? Red Sox did that the year before. Uh, and so uh, 2023, kind of evening things out a little bit. We're going to see where it stands. We're probably going to check in. Luke, you can correct me if I'm wrong, probably about mid-season All-Star break. Uh, we're going to check in, uh, see how things look. Uh, but right now, uh, we're going to keep it where it is. Nothing changed from November. Lots of things changed. But in terms of our show, the state of the rivalry, nothing has changed. I love the disappointed looks on this on this uh, Zoom call right now. And I think that's why we do this. We're, we're high-fiving here at Bluminati HQ. <laughs> I, I, I was not expecting this. I was expecting a route 
uh, to move in another tick in the Yankees direction, but I, I, I couldn't be happier. Joey literally lied on air. <laughs> it doesn't matter. The numbers are still in the favor. I think but uh, this was not a case of the Red Sox fans voted for the Red Sox, voted in one way, and the Yankees fans voted another. If you're angry, guys, you should be mad at John. <laughs> Wait, why did I lie? What did I lie on air about? Don't worry about it, Joe. It doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're going to wrap it up, folks. Uh, I'm not the merchant of lies. I'm the merchant is- of truth. <laughs> This is what we sort of consider like our 2023 uh, season premiere, okay? Kicking off this new season, opening day in a couple of days. You're watching this on YouTube. This has come out on opening day, a very exciting day, a national holiday for, for many folks. With that being said, now that we're in the season, our podcast schedule is uh, getting changed a little bit. We're going to Yankee shows and Red Sox shows. So every Monday morning, just like the show you're listening to right now, is the rivalry show we're going to hear from both yet Red Sox folks and Yankees folks um, checking in on on the week uh, that just passed. Every Wednesday, you're going to hear Yankee shows from John and Barnes and Kassam, uh while they lie to you about how great their team is. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Uh, while they give their perspective, uh, they have other Yankees only shows on Wednesdays, and then we're going to have our Red Sox only shows on Wednesday. We're going to kind of cycle those hosts out depending on uh, availabilities. Those shows are going to be up on. Friday. So now three days a week, three episodes a week, and you know, fun surprises, guest series stuff, things like that along the way. Obviously, YouTube, we got both Red Sox and Yankees videos, Bleachers Brawl, bleacherbrawls.com. It's been a long night, folks. Uh, we have both Red Sox and Yankees columns, as well as everything else. You heard all those things at the beginning of this episode. It's all still true uh, since you've been listening to this super long, um, overstuffed edition of Bleacher Brawls, where we have decided that the pendulum swings ever so slightly in the Yankees' favor. We're excited to see 2023 play out and see where it stands. So for everybody... Uh, and the Bleacher Brawls crew, I'm going to sign off for us. Thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. We're looking forward to uh, a fun year for both squads and a fun year for the show. And we're glad you're going to be along for the ride with us. Uh, that's all we got. Does anyone Thanks, remember folks. when Booth Bonser played for the Red Sox? Derek, shut up, Derek. All right, folks, that's the latest episode of Bleacher Brawls. Thanks for tuning in, for rating us five stars and leaving us a nice review. And don't forget to check us out on BleacherBrawls.com, on YouTube, and on Twitter.